Hello everyone and welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the first show. If you haven't heard it yet, check it out because we're going to pick up where we left off last time. For those who are listening for the first time, the purpose of this show is to make the inner workings of the human body easy to understand for everyone. And in this first series, which is called What is Cancer, we've been looking at what cells are and how DNA is read to make proteins and how proteins in the cells control pretty much everything which goes on. By that I mean everything that goes on in the cells and therefore everything that goes on in your body as a result. We finished last week's show by discussing how cell division, or in other words how one cell divides into two cells, is tightly controlled. And how the pathways which control this division are only switched on when absolutely necessary. So for example in development, whether that's the growth of the fetus or your five-year-old, kids do a lot of growing. And therefore, you can imagine cell division needs to be switched on. I mean, you start from one cell and you end up with trillions of cells. So there's a lot of division going on there. And the same is true in wound repair. So if your body needs to repair something like an injury, then cell division is switched on in order to fill the gap which is left by the wound with fresh cells. Therefore, the cells are going to be dividing to fill in that gap. But what happens when cells become defective and cell division is not controlled and it gets jammed in the on position? Well, under normal circumstances, not very much, or at least not anything you'd, you'd really notice. And that's because there are processes in place to remove these malfunctioning cells. The major way that these cells are removed is through a process called apoptosis. And by the way, I only use these fancy terms so you can look them up online if you'd like to read more about them. So this term is apoptosis, and I guess the next question is, what is apoptosis? Well, it's just really a fancy word to describe cells offing themselves, kind of like a pre-programmed cellular suicide. And it happens actually a lot in your body, and it really goes unnoticed in unless you've got like widespread apoptosis or you know widespread cell death generally, which obviously would be a bad thing. And the reason why it's switched on is, it can be because a cell becomes surplus to requirements, but at least in the context of disease or in the context of cancer for, for this series, it's when cells malfunction. So when the cell has a problem that it can't repair, this is usually a problem with the DNA, cells activate this cellular suicide program, this apoptosis. And this causes a cell to die, so it doesn't hang around causing other problems. And, you know, as we touched upon last week, and, you know, actually earlier in this intro, you have trillions of cells. So who cares if you lose a few? I mean, that might sound brutal and wasteful, but let's consider the alternative. Cells which are malfunctioning can lead to a whole host of issues, not least of which is unregulated cell division, which without a process, such as apoptosis, this cellular suicide, to control it, the cell may just go on dividing uncontrollably and not dying. Way worse than just offing a few broken cells and having their neighbours replace them. 
Essentially, that's a description of cancer, as in many cases, these malfunctioning, immortalized cells will continue to divide and form masses called tumors. And that's pretty much what today's show is about. How cells divide, what can go wrong, and how these issues are dealt with, or not dealt with, as the case may be. And we're going to look a little more closely at the MAP kinase pathway, which we introduced at the end of last week's episode. And this is one of the major pathways which controls cell division. We'll also introduce a new concept, so this is kind of the result of the MAP kinase pathway. And that's actually how the cells divide, and this is called the cell cycle. And finally, we're going to look at how the cell cycle is tightly regulated to prevent damaged cells from finishing this division process, and how the cell reacts if it is found to be defective. Okay, so with that, let's get on with episode two of the What is Cancer series, Division. Welcome to episode two of Dr. Smith Show. And what I'd like to do is pick up from last week with our drawing of the cell and how cell signaling pathways work. If you tuned in last week, then you should already have this drawing. If not, you can uh, download it on Instagram.com slash the Dr. Smith Show or on Twitter.com at the Dr. Smith Show or maybe you drew it yourself. I think really drawing things out helps a lot. And as I mentioned last week, there'll be one drawing per episode, so I'm not going to make this uh, too picture-heavy, as it is an audio podcast. But I really think it helps to get a spatial understanding of what's happening and where everything is. So if you can, draw these things out. If you can't, just download the pictures. So last week we drew a kind of prototypic cell. So you have a large oval and that's what we call the plasma membrane. That's kind of the outer wall of the cell. And we drew a smaller oval or circle within this, which we called the nucleus. And in the nucleus, we wrote DNA, because that's where your chromosomes and your genes and everything are. And then outside of that, we have the cytoplasm, which is inside your big oval, but outside of your nucleus, your, your small oval or circle. And that's kind of the fluid expanse of the cell. So in addition to that, we also drew a square within our big oval, within our plasma membrane, within our wall of the cell, which we called our receptor. And this square had two arrows pointing downwards and away from each other going into the cell. And one arrow was pointing to a triangle and the other one to a diamond. And this was essentially conveying that one receptor can activate multiple pathways. So it's not as simple as you have one thing binding to a receptor, causing it to activate, and then one thing happens downstream. You actually get multiple things binding to different receptors, but that in itself is a lot less, I guess, convoluted and complex than what happens afterwards. 
when this receptor fires and a bunch of stuff happens. So essentially, you've kind of laid out your triangle pathway and your diamond pathway. We drew another arrow pointing down from your triangle. That went to another triangle, which was in the nucleus, and an arrow pointing down from your diamond, again, which terminated in with another diamond in the nucleus. Now, in reality, there'd be a lot of pathways activated by a receptor. These pathways would have multiple members, so they work kind of like a relay system where one protein, or in this case triangle or diamond, activates another, which activates another. And these pathways cross-talk, so say your triangle pathway can activate your diamond pathway or inhibit your diamond pathway, and vice versa. And the reason why I drew these two pathways terminating in the nucleus, because that's not where all pathways terminate. But many do, and especially the ones involved in cancer do. Because as a result of something binding to the receptor, if we can use a science term, a ligand binding to the receptor, in many cases, this ligand represents a change in the environment outside of the cell. And your cell responds to that. And one of the major ways it responds to that is by making proteins necessary to elicit that response. And that all happens in the nucleus. So your triangle and your diamond will be the terminal members of the pathway, but are also something called transcription factors. If we go back to episode one, transcription is the initiating step of where genes in your DNA are read and the code is translated eventually into proteins. So as a result of the receptor being activated, you may get, let's say, we'll go back to our example from last week, and you know one of the most pertinent in cancer, and that's a MAP kinase pathway. This is the growth signal. So you would have a ligand, so this is the thing that's binding to a receptor, would be a growth factor. And the reason why it's called a growth factor is quite aptly named if you think about it because it's something which is going to be switching on the cell division pathway. It's going to be causing the cell to divide. It's going to be causing things to grow. Usually this growth would be, you know, in development of, you know, the fetus or mentioned earlier in like wound repair. But when these pathways are activated inappropriately, it can be causing the tumor to grow. So a growth factor can be a very good thing because it's required for growth, but it depends what it is you're growing. It's kind of like the equivalent of whether you water the plants in, the, in your garden or your weeds. Well, obviously you want to water your plants, otherwise they're going to die. But you don't want to water your weeds, otherwise you have something growing that you don't want. And that's essentially what growth factors do with many cancers. When we start getting into some of the specifics of cancers like lung cancer and breast cancer, it will become sort of more apparent that some of the things, some of the hormones that made, say, the breast or the testicles grow in the first place are actually the same things that are kind of sabotaging you when those cells go wrong and become cancerous. They're causing them to grow. They're causing the tumors to grow in that part of the body. So anyway, I do like going off on my tangents. Let's go back to the MAP kinase pathway. So your receptor is going to be activated, and then, you know, we can call this a triangle of a diamond pathway. But as a result, 
of this pathway activated, as a result of this growth factor binding, you have your relay system where one triangle activates another, which activates another. Now this terminal triangle binds to your DNA, and in this case will cause proteins to be made which promote cell division, and a reduction in proteins which do not promote cell division, or ones that may be anti-cell division. So in this way, you end up with a bunch of proteins, a bunch of cell machines, which push the cell cycle forward. And that's going to be probably the main thing that we talk about this week, and that's the cell cycle. And the cell cycle is the official term for how one cell becomes two. Okay, so here comes the drawing part. So just a quick, quickly recap, we've just really outlined the signal that makes a cell divide. And Unsurprisingly, perhaps, the drawing part is going to be the cell cycle, which is the process of the cell dividing. So, similar theme, get your legal pad sized piece of paper and draw your oval, but this time your, your large oval is going to be divided into four, so kind of cut it up like a pie. You have one line going down the center and then one line going centrally across. So you end up with four equal segments. Now in the first segment, and I guess just so you can follow along, let's have the first segment being at the top left. We're going to call this G1 phase. And then if you go along to your top right, we're going to call this the S phase. And that's going to be going down to the bottom right, which is your G2 phase. And then finally to your bottom left, which is your M phase. And these four steps actually follow on from one another. So you could, in a constantly dividing cell, you can, I guess, kind of mark on there G1 you know, with an arrow going to S phase, with an arrow going to G2, with an arrow going to M phase. In reality, you've kind of got five steps because there's also a phase called G0, which is not actually part of the cell cycle. It's when the cell isn't actively dividing. And that's really what most of your cells are doing most of the time. They're sitting there, not doing nothing, they're doing whatever the function is of that cell. You know, they're keeping your lung intact. They're, re they're producing mucus in the lung. But when this cycle gets switched on, you essentially have these four steps. So let's start with the first step, and that's the G1 phase. This is essentially what happens before anything happens, or at least anything you sort of visibly see or think about in cell division. And this is where the cell's preparing. It's making more of everything. It's making sure it's got enough energy stores. It's making sure it's got like kind of like the uh, the Noah's Ark stage of the cell cycle. You're making you know every make sure you've got double of everything because you're going to chop into two. You've got to have two functional cells as a result. So your G1 phase is your growth phase. That's why it's called G. So the next phase is your S phase. And your S phase is where your DNA is replicated. And this is a really crucial part because as mentioned in the first episode, you have 46 chromosomes, and that's 23 from your mama, 23 from dada. And you need to have double of each of those. So rather than having 46 chromosomes, you have 92 chromosomes, you're going to have 46 mama chromosomes, so two of each, 46 data chromosomes, so two of each. 
this is a process which can be fraught with issues and we'll get to that a little bit later but this is essentially where your code of life if you like is replicated now after that we're going to go through to the G2 phase now G2 is photosynthesis of all the components making sure that the cell is ready to divide so there are multiple things happening here and one is making sure that all of these chromosomes and everything are in place and everything is organized correctly and really going through from g2 into the m phase this is where that organization becomes really important because your cell will essentially be divided down the middle into two along this central line all of your chromosomes which were replicated in this phase are going to align along that central line so you have 23 mama chromosomes and 23 data chromosomes say on the left and then you have the same the copied ones on the right and your cell is going to pinch and pull apart and these chromosomes are going to get dragged to either side your plasma membrane which i mentioned before is not a solid cell wall it's actually very fluid is now going to rejoin together you're going to have two separate cells it's really important in g2 that everything is and everything is in place for that process to occur then m phase is the process where that actually occurs where that alignment of chromosomes along this central line and that this pinching apart this cell division actually occurs correctly but as with all things not everything is perfect therefore things need to be kept in check and another really pertinent question too is you know that's how cell divide but what stops them from dividing all of the time well the first way the cell division is kept in check we've already touched upon and that's the need for a growth signal and that's often the map kinase pathway and that's also why in many cancers members of the map kinase pathway members which members of this relay system or even the receptor itself are mutated and we'll get to how mutations work and so forth next week are mutated in a way that makes them switch on all the time so you have a permanent growth signal so one of the ways that cell cycle is kept in check is that usually you require a growth factor for a growth signal so unless the body's saying look we need cells in this part of the body to divide they're not going to however in cancer where something's switched on permanently well then they're probably going to do that a whole lot more often but that's not something that should happen and what happens if something does go wrong in this pathway and a signal is sent repeatedly and not kept in check is told to divide multiple times inappropriately what happens if a problem is sensed during this replication process and the cell is damaged and should not continue well, let's go back to your drawing and add in a few more details to the cell cycle and the first one is going to be your g1 checkpoint and this actually occurs just at the end of the of the g1 phase so just before the end of g1 but but not into the s phase you call that the g1 checkpoint now secondly you're going to write in your g2 checkpoint so g2 happens again right at the end of the g2 phase then finally right in the middle of M phase you have your M checkpoint okay so let's start with the G1 checkpoint this checkpoint is essentially the point of no return for the cell 
If the cell desire decides to progress beyond this point, then cell division must be completed, or the cell's pre-programmed suicide mechanism, aka apoptosis, will be activated and the cell will be disposed of. This makes the G1 checkpoint arguably the most important of the three, although all are critical in their own way. So what does the G1 checkpoint actually check for, except to save cells from offing themselves later in the cell cycle? Well, G1 has two major functions. The first is to make the cell, make sure the cell has everything it needs to proceed. This includes being large enough to split into two, or in other words, divide, or make sure that it has enough resources such as energy reserves required to complete the process. The second function of G1 is to check for DNA damage. And this is key, as DNA alterations in a single cell may not be much of an issue, but ones that go unchecked, especially ones which promote cell division or avoid this mechanism of cellular suicide, can lead to cancer or other diseases. The last thing you want is a diseased cell continually making copies of itself. If the cell does not meet these stringent requirements, it is held in G1 while it attempts to make the necessary repairs. Okay, so providing these repairs occur and the cell proceeds, the next checkpoint, if you follow around in your diagram, is the G2 checkpoint. Now this checkpoint occurs after the DNA is replicated in S phase and checks again for DNA damage before the cell enters M phase where the actual dividing into two occurs. The primary function of this checkpoint is to make sure that no mistakes were made during the DNA replication process. In other words, are there really two identical copies of the DNA or are there mistakes made in the new copy? If mistakes are found, the cell doesn't just instantly off itself. I mean, if this was the case, I don't think you'd ever get cells to complete the cell cycle because the genome of a human cell is vast and therefore errors are bound to occur and they're you know, gonna have to be repaired. Rather, once again, the cell will just halt its position in the cell cycle and try and make the necessary repairs. If the damage repair is successful, then the cell proceeds into M phase, where the division occurs, if not, death. All this cell cycle stuff sounds a bit doom and gloom, doesn't it? But if you think about it, it's absolutely essential that this occurs. Otherwise, you'd have disastrous events happening all of the time. The G2 checkpoint also makes sure that all of the protein machinery is in place for the event of the cell splitting into two for the actual point where M phase occurs and one cell divides into two cells. And that brings me to the M phase checkpoint. So this is your final checkpoint. By the time the cell reaches this stage of the cell cycle, most of the work is done. And in most cases, the majority of issues with the DNA have been repaired. I mean, nothing's perfect, right? There's a lot of DNA to check. So the M checkpoint, as the name suggests, occurs in the M phase of the cell cycle, specifically when both copies of the chromosomes are aligned at the center of the cell. So they can divide equally and each cell gets one copy 
of each set of the 46 chromosomes. And this separation is a critical step. And to provide an extreme example, if errors in this separation occur in the formation of, say, your sperm or egg, you can end up with a third copy of one of your 23 chromosomes. This is called trisomy, and because this event would occur right at the start of development, the child would have extra copies of every gene in that chromosome, in every cell in their body. Perhaps the most well-known example of trisomy is the trisomy of chromosome 21, or is better known, Down syndrome. But let's relate this back to cancer and what happens further down the line. Say in adulthood, when there are issues with cell division processes which go unchecked and do not result in apoptosis. Well, many cancer cells, or even pre-cancer cells, have what is called genomic instability, where proteins which regulate the response to DNA damage or the response to misalignment of chromosomes during M phase, where they're pulled from, you know, to one cell or the other, are not present or not functional. And these proteins, referred to as tumor suppressors, are key for making sure that none of these issues arise and go unchecked. And perhaps the two most famous ones are P53 and PRB, if you want to look them up, although I'm going to get into them a little further next week. So why is loss of these proteins so important for cancer cells? Well, genomic instability can provide cancer cells with what they need to progress, to metastasize, to avoid apoptosis, to avoid their immune system response to them, or to overcome their susceptibility to different chemotherapeutic drugs, or even be the cause of the cancer forming in the first place in an event that's known as oncogenic transformation. Why? Well, this genomic instability, be that through error-prone DNA replication in the S phase, where your chromosomes are replicated, or through unequal separation of the two sets of chromosomes during M phase, where one copy of the chromosome goes to one cell and one copy goes to the other, which can lead to an extra chromosome going to one of your cells, or in an event called aneuploidy, where a piece of a chromosome can break off and be switched with that of another, or perhaps a cell just had a bunch of mutations in the first place and never should have divided. All of these, in the absence of tumor suppressors such as PRB or P53, to stop them leads to major issues, which in many cases will lead to either a non-viable cell, which will just die off anyway because it doesn't work properly, or perhaps it leads to nothing at all. But sometimes, sometimes you get this rare event where a proto-oncogene, like something in the MAP kinase pathway, which can promote cell division, gets mutated to a permanently active state, or switched on too often, or for too long, and it makes that cell divide like crazy without any process in place to kill it. Well, then things like cancer can result. Anyway, with that grim thought, let's recap episode two. We started out by looking at the cell signaling events that promote a cell to divide. And one of the major ones is the MAP kinase pathway. We've also looked at how a cell divides in some detail. This is called the cell cycle. 
and how cell cycle checkpoints prevent damaged cells from dividing by halting the cell cycle to either repair the damage or undergo this pre-programmed self-suicide called apoptosis. And finally, we discussed how cancer cells avoid this fate and how collecting mutations having asymmetric cell division can actually be beneficial to cancer or even cause cancer. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of episode two. And next week, we'll look at some of the common ways that tumor suppressors are lost and potential oncogenes are switched on and how a series of events gradually build upon one another to cause cancer. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next week. Bye.